Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, before we get started today, I want to let you know that next week, uh, we're going to be launching a special series on current events. And, uh, you know, a lot of people read the news right now and they're a little bit distraught in what they see, and rightly so. But uh, what's on the front page of the news today was actually a lot of it foretold in the Bible hundreds and thousands of years ago. And so we're going to unpack some of that with you. And then we'll also be sharing, okay, so here's what's going on. And then we're going to share how to have peace in the middle of a world that's full of war. And so if you know anybody that needs some extra peace and some extra hope in their season of life, I want you to invite them, bring them with you, and plan on joining us next week when we do that. And uh, I pray that it'll be encouraging to you, faith-building, and, uh, and that you'll leave with uh, a feeling of some good news, because you're not getting that from any other news source. I promise you that. So that's going to be happening next week. All right, well, 2,000 years ago, the sky grew dark. The earth shook, the cross held the king. Heaven held its breath as the breath of life took his last breath. Betrayed, beaten, bruised, how could that moment become known as Good Friday? It was able to become known as Good Friday because when Jesus went to the cross, he knew something that the world didn't. Jesus knew that his crown of thorns assured you and I of a crown of glory. He knew that if he was forsaken, you and I could be forgiven. He knew that death was the only way to bring deliverance. That empty grave gave way to a full life. He knew that logic would soon be defeated by love. The giver of all things good would soon be sharing the good news to the world. Darkness fell, hope seemed lost, but heaven just started counting to three. And on that third day, death was defeated, sin was conquered, and eternity was secure, for he is risen indeed. Amen? There's an ancient call and response that the young church, the new believers would do, and they'd be walking through Jerusalem, maybe over the season of Passover, and they'd spot somebody they recognized from the church, and they would say, he's risen. And then they would respond to them, he is risen indeed. So let's do that together. He is risen Come on, like you got a microphone in your chest. He is risen. risen. Thank you so much. And then after their uh, exchange there, their, their, uh, their, their greeting then would consist of three kisses on each cheek. So I thought this would be a good time if you could just turn to the first time guest that you greeted (laughs) on your way and you got your new brunch date for Easter brunch. Hey, come on. Well, welcome to Authentic. Our, our vision here at Authentic is every time we gather, we want to encounter God, man. Uh, we don't just come to like hear a message, three points, clap our hands, sing a couple songs and leave. We want to encounter God. And we also want to discover community. And that's what we do is we get together and gather that this is the family gathering. This is like Sunday dinners, but a lot of people are gathering all throughout the week. And we believe that as we gather, as we encounter God, as we discover community, that every single one of us is going to fulfill the call of God on our lives. Amen? Because we know that life is short, eternity is real, and people 
matter most. And that's the reason for the resurrection. That's the reason Jesus came is because he loves you so much. And I want to remind some of you and inform the rest of you that you matter to God. Sometimes people wonder, do do I really matter to him? Emphatically, 100%, nail-scarred hands and feet convey to you that you matter to him, that he loves you, he has a plan for you. Your life matters. You were created on purpose for a purpose. You're not the result of some cosmic coincidence. You're not some relational accident. Your parents might have been surprised at your arrival, but God was not, okay? You have been intentionally, strategically, and purposefully placed on this planet, born when you needed to be born, where you needed to be born, and how you needed to be born. And if we could eavesdrop on a conversation that God has with a gentleman named Jeremiah, it corroborates my claim. God tells him in Jeremiah 1 verse 5, he says, before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before God formed you in the womb, he says, I knew you. God is saying your parents may have made you, but I formed you. I deposited gifts and talents and abilities that you would need for the very purpose for which you've been created. And God wants to remind you today that you have been built by design. You've been crafted for your calling, wired for your work, and not only did God form you, he knew you. Before you knew you, he knew you. Nothing about you surprises him. You're the only one that's surprised. He knew your strengths, and he knew what would be your weaknesses. He knew how you would like your coffee in the morning and that chair that you like to sit in that you don't want anybody else to bother even looking at because that's your chair. (laughs) He knew what you would like to do on vacation to rest and relax. He knew who your spouse would be. He knew who your friends would be. He had plans and purposes and destinies in mind for you. He knew you. And I'm on a mission today to encourage you that God loves you. He knows you. He sees you. He hears you. Even the prayers that you don't think anybody hears. And you wonder, God, did you hear that prayer? He hears you. And he loves you. And he's got a plan for you. You know, the story of the Bible is actually a love story. It's this beautiful love story when you read the story of Jesus and the cross, and you can go all the way back through scriptures, and contrary to other faiths that are out there, Christianity is not about us pursuing God. It's all about a God pursuing us, and he did that through Jesus. 1 John 4.10 said, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And all historians, both sacred and secular, agree that a man named Jesus lived in an area of Galilee, originally from Nazareth, and he went all about in the nation of Israel at that time, and he was doing the work of God, smashing the devil, setting people free, healing signs and miracles and wonders flowed from him. Everybody agrees that 2,000 years ago, this man named Jesus actually did live. He lived for 33 years, which is roughly about 12,000 days. And of the 12,000 days, we get a glimpse of him at the virgin birth. And then he does a cameo appearance at age 12. But the bulk of his life, the lion's share of the writings that we know as the Gospels, really comes from three years, about 1,100 days of his life. And at the end of that period of time, having done no wrong, 
He took on himself a punishment he didn't deserve to give you and I a life and an eternity we don't deserve. Forgiveness, wholeness, a soul that is set free from all shame and disgrace. Freedom, true freedom, and an eternal home in heaven that awaits us. He wasn't just a good man. He was the God man. He is the Son of God, the Lion of Judah, the Passover Lamb who was slain, the bright morning star. And to help us understand this point, the Apostle Paul wrote these words to a church in Colossae. Hello. Wrote these words. I think the Holy Spirit's like, calm down, Jeff. You're getting so excited. <laughs> Colossians 1, if I need to switch microphones, you can come and steal it out of my hand. Colossians 1, 15 through 23 says this. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Version because it's just more amplified. And it's just like, you know. <laughs> Chad, you want to tell me what to do? Okay, I'll do that, bro. I got you. I got the Testing two, three, four. All right. Hopefully this one works. If more stuff happens, you can just cancel everything except this mic. <laughs> Colossians 1, 15 through 23, it says this. He is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign, the originator of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him. That is by his activity and for him. And he himself existed and is before all things. In him all things hold together. He is the controlling cohesive force in the universe. He is also the head, the life source, the leader of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything. For it pleased the Father for all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes to dwell permanently in him the Son. And through the intervention of the Son to reconcile all things to himself, making peace with believers through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you are at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, participating in evil things, yet Christ has now reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And he will do this if you continue in the faith, well-grounded and steadfast and not shifting away from the confident hope that is a result of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all of creation under heaven. This is Jesus. This is our Savior. Think about this. Of all the great spiritual leaders that ever walked the planet, and there have been people that have done many incredible things, there's only one guy that predicted his own death and actually pulled it off. <laughs> the only one. In fact, time is divided, split in two, based on the life of Jesus. Growing up, you would have your timeline, your history books, and it would say B.C. or A.D. I always thought A.D. meant after death. And my nun teacher, Catholic school prep teachers would say, no, 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 that means Anno Domini, which is Latin for in the year of our Lord. They base time 
off of the life of Jesus. So he's not just a figure in history. He's not just somebody that lived. No, he was the God-man. He is the Son of God. And after the resurrection, history records that there was over 500 eyewitness accounts. Many of those people actually were so sure that they had experienced time with the resurrected Jesus that they refused to deny him, so much so to the point that they would be martyred and die a horrific death. Some crucified, some crucified upside down even because they refused to deny that they had seen Jesus, the resurrected king. Think about that. To be so sure that you had spent time with Jesus that nobody could take that away from you. That's the kind of faith that I want us to have. And we're gonna read together one of the eyewitness accounts. It's actually the first eyewitness account. It's, it's from the perspective of a, a young woman named Mary Magdalene. She was delivered from being tormented by evil spirits, and because of Jesus, she experienced freedom that she had only dreamed about. And this is the account after John chapter 20, verse 1 through 18. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple, by the way, the other disciple that's here, it's John. John has this weird thing where he doesn't mention his name. He just refers to him as, I'm the one that he loves. I'm the other disciple. So check out what John writes here. And this is, this is his gospel account, right? So he's writing it. He says, it says, so Peter and the other disciple, John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, all right? Fighting like a couple of brothers. <laughs> He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary, sweet Mary, stood outside the tomb and she was crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? She said, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around, and then she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know, she didn't realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And I just kind of think when Jesus said this, that he almost had a grin on his face. I just kind of think that he's like, who are you looking for? <laughs> you know? And she's crying. She's like, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where if you put him, and I'll get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me, meaning I'm not going anywhere, it's gonna be okay, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them that I am going to ascend to my Father and your Father, Mary, to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. Such a beautiful moment. You know, we have the great perspective of reading this story, and we can look through the lens, look back in time, and we know the resurrection is coming. But the disciples, when they were in the middle of it, Friday, Saturday, it wasn't Good Friday back then. It wasn't celebrated. That was a horrific time. That was a time of pain and sorrow and anguish, watching their Savior die on Friday after they just came in shouting Hosanna and he's riding on the colt fulfilling Zechariah 9.9 and they're laying down palm branches and garments and everything and they're like, we're here. And then suddenly, less than a week later, people are shouting crucify him and instead of crowning him with a gold crown, they put a crown of thorns on his head. And they're like, what is happening? This isn't what I thought it was gonna be. Even though Jesus told them like a million times, this is going to happen. But right in the middle of it, when it's happening, it's like, I never thought it would be like this. It's like a woman who's ever had childbirth, right? If you've ever, if you're a woman that's ever birthed a child, it's like, they told me it would be like something, and I can't believe that it's like this something, right? Like, I can't believe this. It's different than what I thought until you experience. So here they are, and they're experiencing this moment on Friday, and they're, they're seeing Jesus be spit on and and, and mocked and made fun of, and they're like, are you kidding me? He just came through your tent. He's healed all of you guys. You, 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 you. He's, what are you doing shouting at him, you fickled crowd? You know, and they, they, they just can't believe it. Then they watch him get beat, and then they see him be humiliated where they strip him of his clothes, and then they just start beating and whipping him and spitting on him. And then they see him grab a cross, and they're like, okay, when does this stop? Like, there's got to be a scene in the movie where something shifts. Like, I can't believe this, is, this isn't how it ends. It can't go like this. And so there's Jesus with his cross, and they're bringing him through the streets, and people are yelling and shouting at him, and he's there, and he's going through it. And they're watching. And one after another slips out of the crowd, leaves their place. And by the time he gets to that hill, where he would be nailed to that cross and raised up, there's very few that are there, and they're mourning. And I'm sure somewhere inside of them, they're thinking like, okay, so when is it gonna happen? Like, it's, it, it's, got, it's gotta stop, like, do they know who he is? He's so powerful, like he could just, boom, like Hulk out right now, like he could take over, you know? And he doesn't, and he gives up his spirit. And they're like, that's it? That's it. And the ground shakes like we sang today and the, the veil was torn in two and they're like, what in the world is going on? And the soldiers are like, surely that was the son of God. I, and they take him and they laid him in a, a borrowed tomb. Side note, he only borrowed it because he intended to give it back to its owner. God bless you. Felt that from up here. You almost freaked me out there. If anybody needs to sneeze, now's the moment. Seize it. Seize the moment. That's awesome. I want to sneeze like that. Oh, gosh. It's like the sneeze when you look up into the sun and you're like, is it coming? Can it come? No, it's just a fake out. <laughs> you know, like. So Friday happens. And they go home and they're like wondering, did this really happen? Saturday they wake up and it's like a nightmare. It's like that bad dream. It's like 
this can't be real. Like, did that really happen? What happened on Saturday? You know, Friday and Sunday gets a lot of press, right? It's, all, it's like Friday and we celebrate and we have good Friday services and everything else. Saturday, not so much. But I think in the middle of the Saturday, it was a lot of heartache, it's a lot of hurt. They're wondering, like, man, I walked with him for three and a half years. This was not what I pictured. And I don't know about you, but there's seasons of my life where it felt like I was living in a Saturday, where it was just like loss, loss of a loved one, and we prayed for that person and they still died of cancer. Like, this is really hard for me right now, Lord. Loss of a job. How am I gonna put food on my table for my wife and my kids? And the sting of a divorce. It wasn't supposed to end this. Why? How? Lord, I need you. And we go through seasons of that. And the season of a Saturday can cripple us. But the Savior came. And Sunday was coming. And there was a resurrection that was gonna happen. And you might be sitting in this room today and you might be in a Saturday season. You're like, man, this is, it's hard. Life is hard. I'm here and I'm grinning and I'm bearing it. But man, if I'm honest, oof, I'm hurting inside. We would be so honored to pray with you today at the end of service, as we always do, we have a time of prayer. And I wanna encourage you, take that moment and allow people to pray with you. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Like he really, he loves it when his children, you and I, when we come together and we pray, we come into an agreement. He loves it. It says when we do that, he's actually in the midst of that moment. So if you need prayer for anything, if you're going through a Saturday today, we wanna pray with you that Resurrection Sunday is gonna be your new reality. It's gonna be the reality in your marriage. It's gonna be a new reality of supernatural provision in your finances. It's gonna be a new reality in all that you're setting your hand to. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, I came that they may have life and life abundantly. What is that life? God has placed this, this quest, this longing in each one of our hearts. And Easter Sunday isn't just about remembering the cross. It's experiencing a renewed sense of the resurrection that we can encounter God every single day. We can come into his presence at any moment in time. And it's not based on a feeling. This is where some people kind of sit and dwell on a Saturday because they think that moving in faith is a, something that you always feel. You won't always feel like it. My wife and I were about to celebrate 20 years of marriage. I promise you there's some days where she didn't feel like loving me, but she chose to love me. Thank God, because I needed her to choose me over what she might have been feeling at that time, right? We choose those moments. In the empty tomb, uh, it's the only tourist destination in all the world where we line up to go look at something that's not there. Ever thought about that? How many people have ever been to the empty tomb? Show of hands. And the crowd goes mild, all four of us, five. I see that hand, thank you. 
I've been to the empty tomb, or at least I think it is. They, they told us it was, but there's, you know, then there's other people like, no, this is the empty tomb, you know, and they, you know, when you get, you know, two Jewish historians together, they got like five opinions. So, you know, they, everybody's got like their own opinion of where it was. But regardless, people line up and they go there to see the empty tomb. And by the way, the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out. It was for you and I to get in and to experience the resurrection power and see for ourselves. wow, Jesus is really who he said he was and he does what he said he would do. Amen. I've heard people say, man, that's so cool that Jesus works for you, but you know, I, I kind of believe that you know, there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. And I always challenge them and I say, why do you think that? Where do you base that off of? I'm basing my beliefs not on a feeling or like a, a spiritual preference or something. I'm actually basing what I believe on over 500 eyewitness accounts that said he resurrected, like this really happened. And the challenge that I see in some people's spiritual walk is that they feel like they're on this journey of never really reaching God when they just don't see that God has already reached out for them if they would just surrender. But you have to experience that death on the cross. We all have to die to ourselves, die to having control, controlling others. That's, I mean, you know, I know maybe I'm not the only one that's been, been struggled with that in my past, but you, you, you gotta let go of your personal preferences, pride, all that stuff. If you experience the death of Jesus on the Friday, it opens you up to really receive the resurrection life that came on Sunday. And that's what we want. So people say that, well, there's lots of ways to heaven. I'd say, well, do you believe Jesus was a good teacher or a prophet? Because he really lived. Like, we, like historians, sacred and secular alike, they agree that this guy, Jesus, really lived. And they say, well, I, th I think he was, a good, he was a good teacher. I said, yeah, okay. Prophet? I'd say he's a prophet. I'd say, okay, was he a false prophet? Oh, no, like no. Okay, well, let me tell you what the true prophet just said in his book about himself. He said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. By the way, when you study the Greek and Hebrew of that phrase right there, it means no one, all right? Like nobody gets to come to the Father except through Jesus. Not all roads lead to heaven. That's not the way it is. God loves you so much that he's made it painfully obvious to everybody in all of creation for all time and you can read through text, you can go and travel the world. Literally, there is blinking signs all around the world that say Jesus is the Son of God. And he's made that available to you. God desires for you to live in eternity with him, but he is not gonna push you into eternity with him. It's simply an invitation. Acts 4.12 says that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And my highest responsibility as a pastor is to prepare you for that moment in all of eternity that moment where you come and you stand before the Father. That moment where you come and the book is opened. By the way, some people think that there's just one judgment and they're hoping that they get in. There's actually two judgments, literally, if you look through scripture. I'm not gonna go into it all, but there's, there's the, the, the great white throne of judgment in, in basic theological terms, it's the everybody judgment, okay? And then there's the judgment seat of Christ, which actually is a little bit more like an award ceremony. 
for you believers, for us believers, it, it basically, okay, so you lived, I gave you talents, gifts, abilities, resources, lined you up, gave you divine appointments and connections. Um, so what did you do? Parable of the talents, right? That's, that's that. And in the Bible, it says in Revelation that there's, there's books that we all have based on what we've done in our lives. And then there's the book. This is in Revelation 20, if any of you want to go and read it later on. It says there's books and then there's the book. The books contain everything that you've done. The book contains what Jesus did, and it's the Lamb's book of life, and you're either in or you're not. Here's the moral of the story. When you get to the end of your life, and we're all going to get to the end of our life at some point, okay, death, there's a 100% chance you're going to die. Okay, every, every one of us, we're all gonna, you're like, thank you for the good news on Easter Sunday, Pastor. <laughs> it's gonna happen. We know this, but we kind of don't think about it. And my job as a pastor is to help you be prepared as possible for that moment in time. And so the moral of the story is there's the books and the book. You don't want your eternity based on what you've done in the books. You want your eternity based on what Jesus Christ did, that your name is in the book. And I'm gonna pray with you at the end of this service, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to this message. You're sitting here, you might be saying, are you trying to get me saved? Brother, you're in a church today on Easter Sunday. Of course I am, yes, thousand percent. I'm on a mission, so you better just listen, all right. <laughs> Romans 14, 10 through 12 says, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge that there is God. Everybody. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. For those who put their faith in Jesus, an eternity of heaven awaits. For those who put their faith in anything but Jesus, Sadly, an eternity in hell awaits. By the way, hell was not created for people that God's mad at. It's not about that. In fact, it was never really created for people in the first place. Hell was created for the devil and his demons that go around and torment people for all of history. That's what they do, and they do it very, very well. And if you're sitting in this room today and you feel like you've been tormented by anxiety, depression, um, uh, poverty, whatever has gone, gone on, and you just feel like, man, I just can't get a, a, a breath here, I can't get a break, at the end of service, we're gonna have a time of prayer, and I wanna encourage you to get out of your seat, and come forward, and there's prayer people that have been praying for you, praying for this moment, praying for this service, praying that you would have an encounter with God, and we wanna come together with you, hold hands, and let's pray and believe that that is gonna be forever changed. But it's your soul and it's your choice. God's desire is to live with you for all of eternity, but he's not gonna force us to live with him. Luke 14 tells us, uh, Jesus is telling a story to a group of guys that are, that are following him. And uh, Carol, I'll have you come up and play the piano as we land the plane here. But Jesus in Luke 14, it records, he's, he's sharing with them and he's trying to give them an idea of something that's gonna happen in the future. And he says, okay, you guys, there's gonna be this banquet, this beautiful banquet, kind of like what some of you may be going to today. You're gonna go to an Easter brunch and, 
This banquet had all the trimmings and the tapestry and the incredible dishware and glassware and the decorations and the food that was prepared and thought about what it was going to be on the menu and the meal, and it's this beautiful banquet. And so the master sends his servant out, and they send out all these fancy invitations, you know, like the ones with the wax seal, right, you know? So they send out those invitations to all these people that he wants to join him at this banquet. And then the day arrives where the whole party's done. It's ready. Everything's prepared for everybody to come in. And it says this in Luke 14, 21. It said, so the master said to his servant, go out to the streets, the lanes of the city, bring in the poor and crippled, the blind and the lame. The reason that the master said that is because everybody that got an invitation was too busy to come. They all had excuses. One said, man, I, 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 I just, you know, I have this investment property. That was their farm back then. Another said, man, I, I, I got some, some new equipment for work. That was the, the guy that looked for the oxen. He said, no, nah, I got some new oxen. There was one that was just getting ready to start a family. He's newly married. He's like, man, I'm really busy with my wife, and we're going to start a family. And, and they were just too busy to come to the invitation of the master. So he sends him out, and he says, Go. Get the, get the blind, the crippled, the lame. Bring, bring them all in, anybody that you can. And the servant goes out and he says, Sir, what you commanded has been done, yet still there is still room. So the master is a little bit frustrated and he says to the servant, he says, all right, here's what I want you to do. Go out to the highways, to the hedges. Compel people. That's like a picture of like beg them. Please come. My master has this huge banquet. Nobody is there. There's a lot of room. There's incredible food. It's already done. All you have to do is just show up. I'm not dressed. I'm not ready. It doesn't matter. He, he doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care what you've done. He, just, just come. And, and I remember some friends of mine, they invited me to kind of a gathering like this today. And it was just an invitation. And I said yes. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, I remember going to that going like, and although they invited me, it was really the invitation of the Lord. And I went to this gathering, and they're singing songs that I don't understand and I didn't really like. And uh, I hope that wasn't your experience today. But I, 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 really, didn't, I really didn't enjoy it. You know, I was just kind of like, and I was feeling anxiety inside. I'm sitting there, and I'm like getting nervous, and I'm kind of like gotten the nervous twitch in the leg. You know, the, you know, the guy that's sitting there moving his knee like crazy. You know, like I'm just feeling like as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. You know what I mean? I'm just like looking for the exit. And I get up in the middle of it, and they're singing like hallelujah or hosanna or something, man. And I'm like, I'm out. And so I just go over to the side, and I just needed to catch my breath. And I'm like, I have this moment with God, and I, I paused, and I prayed the most heartfelt, honest prayer that I'd ever prayed. And I just simply said, Jesus, if you're real, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. So if you're real, come and show yourself to me. And it was like, man, in a moment, it was like before I barely, I barely even got the words out of my mouth, just like the last syllable, it was like I was enveloped by this feeling of love, unconditional love, where it wasn't based on anything I did or didn't do. It was just this love, like I love you, I care for you, I'm proud of you. Like I read earlier about Jeremiah, I formed you. I know you, Jeff, I know you. I know your screw-ups, I know your shortcomings, and despite all of that mess and the messiness and the ups and downs, I love you. And I felt this love from God that I had never really experienced before. And in that moment, the resurrection became real to me. And I responded to the invitation. 
I thought it was just an invitation from some friends, but that moment was really an invitation from Almighty God. And today, I, it's no accident that you're sitting in this room. Some of you might have walked in here today and you're thinking, I hope this place holds up because I think if I walk into a church, it's going to collapse on my head. You know, you might have walked in here feeling like that. Good news, it didn't, all right? And uh, God's got a plan for you, and he's calling you. He's giving you an invitation. Jesus is inviting you to come. Like the crippled and the blind and the beggars and the different people, he's inviting all of us, no matter what's going on in life. He'll take you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave us as we were. He wants to transform us. And you see, when the king invites us to his table, you might have walked in one way, but when you sit down at that table, you're now seated with royalty. And when you sit down to dine with the king, there's gifts that he wants to give you. There's words that he wants to speak over your life. There's blessings that he wants to bring to you. There's healing, pain. He wants to heal areas of your life that medicine will never get to. That's the beauty of Jesus. And if you're here today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, kind of like what I prayed. And, you know, the Bible talks about, uh, uh, shares about the church and, and people coming into uh, a, a union with God, having a right relationship with God. And one of the pictures the Bible gives us for that is that of a, a wedding. And, and I've been able to officiate a number of weddings. I love doing it. I love seeing the nervousness. I love seeing all the behind the scenes stuff and the parents and everybody's so excited and the bride and groom, they're a little bit anxious. I love all of that. And, and when I officiate the wedding, one of my favorite parts is listening to an exchange of vows, a part of love that the bride and the groom have for each other. And then like most weddings, I will then, they've done their own vows, then I'll lead them in an exchange of vows as they come together in their union. So kind of like that officiating of a wedding, I'm going to lead us in a prayer that's going to officiate the union of you back to God. And it's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. It's not a magic bullet. Like my life, when I prayed that prayer, although nothing around me changed in my world, there was still stuff I had to go back to. But everything changed in my world. You know what I mean? Like, the, the peripheral didn't change for me. Eternally, everything changed. My life was transformed. Man. There, were, there, there was, I, I felt new life. There was colors I never saw. There was purpose I never felt. I, I felt the love of God, man. It's, it's going to bed at night feeling free of all shame and guilt. It's waking up in the morning and being in your right mind and you're like, thank you, God, that you allowed me to live. Thank you that you allowed me to live another day. That, uh, that, you know, that what the devil meant to try to take me out didn't take me out. I'm still kicking. There's breath in my lungs. There's purpose for my life. I have that kind of peace. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer now. And it's a prayer of salvation, but it's not fancy words. It's literally, I, I want to encourage you. If you need to get right with God, he brought you here today for this moment, right now. This is what it's all about. Easter is more than pretty dresses and pastel colors and brunches and pictures with the family. Easter is the resurrection of Jesus Christ showing himself that he can resurrect anything that's dead. Anything in our lives that's dead. He resurrects it and he brings that about for our good. What the devil meant to harm you and to take you out, God will turn that around if you'll allow him and he's going to use it for so why don't we just all stand together today. I kind of like that it's silent in this room. <laughs> it's kind of nice. We don't have to have the food set with music. It can just be us in our hearts before him.
For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.